You are listening to The Overwhelmed Brain. Today's episode is brought to you by GetOutOfTheMess.com. Let Asha, your Legal Shield associate, connect you to a legal insurance plan that's right for you. Quality attorneys at established law firms for about $20 a month. You gotta check it out. Are you annoyed by affirmations? Are you tired of that same old, rehashed, personal growth advice that all seems to boil down to, Think positively and all your problems will go away. If affirmations feel like lies and positive thinking feels like denial, then I want you to get ready. The Overwhelmed Brain is here to help you create the life you want now. This is Paul Coliani, host of The Overwhelmed Brain, the personal growth show for the critical thinker. On every episode, we'll talk about practical, down-to-earth steps to help you improve your mood and keep you sane in this powerful journey we call life. I want to help you bridge the gap between your emotions and reason, causing you to discover why you do the things you do and what you can do to reach higher levels of happiness and lower levels of stress and overwhelm. My ultimate goal is to help you become empowered so that you can create the life you want. Today's quote is by me because I couldn't find one that really stated how I view forgiveness. So here's my take. Forgiveness is never about the other person. It's about you. It's giving yourself a break because you ended up in a situation that you've not let yourself live down. Forgive yourself for not being conscious enough to make different decisions. One of the first things that happens when someone does something that we don't like or maybe even hate is that we get a feeling inside. We get a negative emotion. It starts to spring up, whether that's anger or sadness or fear or or whatever it is. We might feel betrayed or upset. That first feeling usually leads to other feelings too, but that first feeling is what we hold on to until we forgive. And the longer we hold on to that feeling inside of our body, the more sabotage we bring into our life, the more bad luck we have, the more our decisions don't turn out the way we want them to turn out. Now, the thing about forgiveness is that it's not an excuse to release the other person of their responsibility. They're still accountable for their actions. But it is a way to release yourself of pain and hurt. Remember, forgiveness is about you. Forgiveness is about forgiving yourself for being the way you were at the time. It doesn't mean you were wrong. It just means sometimes we have expectations of ourselves that we don't meet. Like I know people who have been hurt by other people and they say, I should have known better. I should have made different decisions. I should have done this instead. And that is self-blame. That's you're hurting yourself. It's a lack of compassion. And forgiveness is all about being compassionate towards yourself, being loving towards yourself so that you can feel better. Once you start to feel better, you can let these other people go. I mean, you know how it works, right? If you don't forgive someone, they end up staying in your life longer than you wanted, sometimes a really long time. Think about someone that you can't forgive, haven't forgiven, if you have anybody like that in your life, and think about how often 
they come up in your life, how often maybe they call or they appear or how often you think about them and how it still irks you today that you're still thinking about them or they're still appearing. Why is that? Why do these people show up? The longer you hold on to this stuff, the longer these people are in your life. Why? What cosmic reason could it be that these people stick around in your life? Well, the practical reason that I see is that as long as they still bother you, they are still somehow connected to you. That's not very practical sounding, I know, but (laughs) what happens is that they're always on your mind. So the more you think about them, the more they're going to be referenced in your life. Oh, that reminds me of so-and-so. Oh, I bet you so-and-so is going to call. Oh, this, oh, that. And other people are going to hear you talking about so-and-so. And so that person's going to get talked about more often. And then the word spreads that you're talking about the person and so on and so forth. But what you're doing is keeping that person's presence in your life alive. You're keeping them prevalent in your life. So the question is, do you want to hang on to these people that you can't seem to forgive? It doesn't mean you have to be nice to them or you don't even have to be mean to them either. Because when you behave negatively towards them, it makes you feel a certain way inside. And if that feeling isn't good, then you haven't forgiven yourself because the feeling is inside of you. And forgiving the way you responded, the decisions that you made, and your role, if any, in what happened is what releases you and starts to let them go from your life. It's like cutting the energetic tether from you to them. As long as you're holding on to what they did and keeping that pain inside of you, that tether never cuts. Remember, forgiveness is about forgiving you. Giving yourself a break for ending up in a situation that you refuse to let die. You don't have to forgive them at all, in my opinion. They're going to be who they are and what they are, and they may never change. But forgiving you allows you to clear your conscience of toxic thoughts and feeling bad. You need more self-compassion, more self-love, and just give yourself a break. Maybe you made a bad decision. Maybe you didn't see the signs. You know, maybe you did feel stupid, but just brush it off yourself saying, I forgive me. I should have known better or whatever words you come up with just so you can let go of the hurt. And by letting go of the hurt, you get to see a bad situation as a lesson so you can bring it forward into your future. This is part of the forgiveness process. You can't learn your lesson until you forgive yourself. Once you forgive yourself, you can move on. You can get out of this stagnation. You can stop being the victim. Once you're not the victim anymore, you're no longer sabotaging your own world. Your decisions and your behavior are resulting in outcomes that you want. When I was married and my wife wanted to get a divorce, I didn't want to forgive. In fact, I held on to the hurt that she made me feel inside. I I blamed her for the hurt. And so for two or three months, I would just hang on to this hurt. And then she would reach out and try to be friendly. And I might bite back and say something that, well, why didn't you want to get therapy? And why didn't this? And why didn't you give us a chance? I had all these questions for her and it was always accusatory. Then one day I wrote her an email blaming her (laughs) for everything that went wrong in the marriage. And after I reread that email, I read it again and 
change some words because I wasn't so angry anymore, but I was still accusing her of different things. And then the third time I wrote the email because I read it again and I realized, wow, I'm not as angry or as hurt as I used to be because I just wrote this email and expressed all my emotions. The third time I read it and rewrote it, I wasn't blaming her at all. All that hurt and pain came out through the expression in my writing because I was able to slow down my thought processes and write out or at least type out in an email everything I felt. And that was important. As soon as I was getting all that stuff I felt out of me, that was a process of self-forgiving. That's self-compassion. That's self-love. I allowed myself to remove the pressure, vent the negativity out of me. And then being in that space, I was much more forgiving. And it was all about me. I was forgiving myself. And I was able to also say, look, this is probably not the best time to talk and be friendly because we just went through a lot. So why don't we just go our separate ways and maybe someday we'll meet again and we could be friendly to each other at that time. And we did. We separated and I felt pretty good since then. You don't have to be a victim. You're allowed to be a victim, but you don't have to stay the victim. And you know, when you stay a victim, you're stagnant. You don't go anywhere. I would rather have you make empowering decisions so that you can make positive changes in your world and the world of those you love. So if you're in a place of not being able to forgive, don't even think about the other person that you can't forgive or the other situation or whatever happened. Think about yourself. How can you, how can you be compassionate towards yourself? How can you forgive yourself and give yourself the power to move beyond the pain? How can you give yourself a break for not having all the resources you needed at the time to make different decisions or to see the signs of whatever was going on? Forgive yourself and you can move forward. Let's go to our next segment. All right, this next segment is called Ask Paul. I get a lot of emails and uh, instead of answering them on email, I prefer to answer them on the show, you know, keeping anonymity, of course, and privacy so I don't mention people's names or details. But uh, answering them on the show allows you to maybe learn from someone else's challenges. So here we go. I'm going to read today's letter, which is from a girl that I'm going to call Jill. She says, Hi, Paul. Recently, I've realized that I have a lot of self-doubt about my life and wanting to be able to have a career that I enjoy that I can also earn enough money from to one day own a home and maybe even a family. I'm in my 20s, still young, but I feel like no matter what I do to try and work towards my goals, something always comes to smash them a bit, whether that's financially, health-wise, or something else. I'm wondering... If you could maybe do a show on the fear of failure and feeling doomed to fail and how not to put so much pressure on yourself. If you've done something like that, can you please direct me to it? It would be a wonderful help. Kind regards, Jill. Again, that's not her real name. (laughs) Well, Jill, one of the first things that strikes me about your letter is that when you make decisions, you don't get the results you want. And I kind of touched upon this in the last segment. 
When you're not getting the results that you want from the decisions that you make, it usually involves not being in alignment with what's important to you, what's most important to you, what I call your values. When you're not in alignment with your values, you will sabotage yourself. And what I mean by that is if you make decisions based on fear and not what's in your highest interest, you set yourself up for failure. For example, one of my highest work values is that I'm respected and that I feel significant in some way. So when I was completely broke, when I was married, we were going to the soup kitchen every morning. It's something I repeat over and over again. There's probably listeners going, oh, there's that story again. (laughs) But it's true. This is a good time in my life because it was a pivotal moment of learning a lesson. And back then, I would go to the soup kitchen every morning and I finally got a job. So this job comes and I go to work every day, week after week. I'm enjoying what I'm doing. However, they misrepresented the position to me. So here I am doing what I'm doing. And then they said, you're going to go on the phones and be a support person on the phone. And my heart sank because I really didn't want to be a technical support person on the phone. And the job said that you'd only be working with the hardware. That's what I loved. I loved working with my hands. But when they said that, I was like, well, that's not how the job was represented to me. I thought I was only going to be working with hardware and I wouldn't have to get on the phones. And they said, well, no, this is how the job is. I was like, oh, okay. So I felt really bad. I, every day after that was a chore. It was hard to go in because I knew that very soon I'm going to have to be on the phone. So the day before I have to get on the phones, I called my wife from work and I said, I am feeling miserable. Tomorrow they're going to put me on the phones. It's not something I want to do at all. Uh, there's other things that were going on too. Like every time I gave my input to improve a process or maybe add videos to the website to help people out, they said, nope, we're going to do the things that we are used to doing. Everything stays status quo. Just put your head down and keep working. I just felt insignificant. I felt disrespected because they weren't listening to me. These were against my highest values. Yet here I am. I have to make a paycheck. And I have to stay there. Otherwise, we end up back at the soup kitchen. So I called her and I shared this with her. I was like, I don't know what to do. This is like against my values. This is against everything that I believe in for myself and I want for myself. And she said, do what you have to do. I trust your decision. So I had in one hand a job that was making money. And in the other hand, I would go back (laughs) to the soup kitchen and stay broke. But I thought about what my highest values in work were, and that was to feel significant and be respected. I have more values in there as well, but once I thought about that and I knew I wasn't getting it, I knew I would be miserable staying. So the next day I quit. I went up to one of the co-managers there and I said, well, that's not what I expected. You know, I didn't want to be on the phones yet. You're going to put me on the phone. So I'll I got to go. He was very surprised, but uh, I did. I went home and got the support from my wife, which was fantastic. But we also went back to the soup kitchen. We had no money again. But what that did was help me feel better about myself and what I was doing. I didn't want to be in the soup kitchen. 
I didn't want to be broke, but I felt good about myself. And when you feel good about yourself, you can move forward. You have confidence to move forward. You can do more because you feel good. Quitting that job also opened the path for something else to come my way. If I was still working at that job, then I wouldn't have been as receptive or looking for other work. I'd be like, finally, I have work. I'm making money. This is where I'm going to stay. But I opened myself up, was more receptive. And it was very soon that I had another job paying almost, well, actually double (laughs) what I was getting. It doesn't always work that way for everyone. But I really do believe that if I had a job that I hated, but I knew I was making money, then I probably wouldn't have been looking for other work because I wanted to avoid the soup kitchen. My decision was, you know what? I'd rather go back to the soup kitchen than stay here and compromise myself day after day. So back to you, Jill. One of the things that stands out in your letter is when you talk about self-doubt. Self-doubt comes from worrying about your decisions because they aren't in alignment with what you value most. If one of your highest goals in life is to be thin and energized, but you eat a lot of cake, you might be surprised to find that you have an even higher value that overrides being thin and energized. What I mean by that is if if I chose to be respected at work, but someone disrespected me and I didn't do anything about it, then there must be something else that's even more important for me to allow that to happen to myself. Does that make sense? If you are allowing things to happen to you, then what is more important than these bigger visions for yourself? If you have a vision of being thin and healthy in this example, yet uh, a tasty cake comes along, there must be something more important. Maybe what you need to do is think about these two things. Number one, what are you not doing enough of right now? Or what are you not getting enough of right now? And number two, what are you doing too much of right now? Or what are you getting too much of? When you have the answers to those two things, and you're able to balance them out, the rest will fall into place. For example, you want to be thin and healthy, but now there's a cake in front of you. What do you do? Do you eat the cake? And why? Why would you eat the cake? Oh, it tastes so good. And I just want to sit here and relax and watch TV and eat this cake. Well, if you say something like that, maybe you're not getting enough comfort in your life. Maybe you're not getting enough sleep in your life. Maybe you're not getting enough self-nurturing in your life. And then eating that cake feels self-nurturing. And how about what are you doing too much of? Maybe you're doing too much work. Maybe you're doing too many dishes every day. Maybe there's something that just feels overwhelming or too much and makes you tired all the time so that you don't get the comfort. You don't get the sleep. You don't get the rest that you really need. Because when you're in more balance in your life, then you're not so tempted by things when they come along. If you came home from work every day and you felt no stress and you just felt good about going to work, then you probably wouldn't be, again using this food example, enticed so much to eat a cake. (laughs) You would enjoy it as a snack or as a special occasion, but it wouldn't become a medication for you. Like some people will come home from work and want to drink just to medicate 
just to relax, to unwind. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. If it's not a problem in your life, then it's not a problem. But if it overrides the values, what's most important in your life, if it overrides those values in your life, then it's time to consider what you're doing too much of and what you're not doing enough of what you're getting too much of and what you're not getting enough of. So you can start making these balances in your life so that when you do have a hard day one day, that you are more balanced to make the right decisions for yourself. I hope that makes sense. Now you talk about fear of failure. Now fear of failure is really about fearing who you are when you fail. I mean, everyone fails. (laughs) But who do you become when that happens? Do you become the person that gets up and says, well, damn it, I'm going to try it again. (laughs) Or do you fail and stay down feeling defeated? I used to skateboard when I was a kid. I did it for quite a few years. I would fall a hundred times or more trying to land the same trick over and over again. And it would hurt. But I would still go back sometimes day after day after day, trying to land that trick. I would fall on my butt. I would fall forward and hurt my wrists. I would uh, scrape my knee up because the board would come up and hit my knee and my shins. My shins were always beat up, but I kept doing it over and over again, even though I kept failing over and over again because I had an attitude of, well, damn it, I'm going to get up and try this again. I'm going to make this work. It really depends on your philosophy of failure and success. If you fear failure, then you also fear success. I know that sounds weird, but without failure, there is no success because how would you get to success if you don't know failure? This is simple personal growth 101. You can never know success without failure. And then success tastes so much better after so many failures. When I finally landed a 360 kickflip on my skateboard, that success was so sweet. And then I would try again and fall over again. But the point is, develop an attitude of, well, damn it, I'm just going to get up and try again. Now, you also said something along the lines of talking about, uh, about being doomed to fail. Now, this is good because when you believe you're doomed to fail, that's because visions of your success are so grand and so far off that you can't even see a small step in the right direction as a success. I usually give the opposite advice than a lot of teachers. I say, don't make a vision so grand that you set yourself up for disappointment. Make a vision so easily attainable that when you achieve it, you celebrate. If you want to lose five pounds, lose one pound first. If you want to make a million dollars, make one dollar first. I know I'm really saying baby steps, but I don't like that term. I prefer the term uh, milestones. For example, I had back surgery in 2010, I believe. When I got home from the hospital, I was in there for five days. I had four flights (laughs) to go up to get into our condo. I looked at the first step and then I looked up at the rest of the steps and I really wasn't sure how I was going to do it. It was cold out. It was in Portland, Oregon, and it was starting to rain. And here I was at the bottom of the stairs 
just had my back opened and worked on and I got this titanium rod in there now and I'm scared to take the first step. But I looked down at the first step and I said, if I can make this first step, I can make it all the way. I didn't make the goal the top step. I didn't make the goal the fourth flight. I made the goal that first step. And so I lifted one leg, put it on the first step, and then pushed my way up and I made it. I made the first step. I just knew it. Once I made that first step, I knew I could make the second one. And that became my second goal. I made that second step and I made that third step. And then pretty soon I was on flight two and then flight three. And then I was at the top of the fourth flight of stairs. I made it the entire way. My vision was to make the first step. I knew once I made the first step, I could make it the rest of the way. Because if you could do it once, you can repeat it. Now, I'll end my reply to you with this. All the pressure that you're putting on yourself has to do with a vision that you really don't believe that you can achieve. Otherwise, it wouldn't feel like pressure. It would feel like progress. Even the failures would feel like progress. Every time I failed uh, doing a trick on my skateboard, I learned something a little different, a little nuance with my feet, a little nuance with my balance. Those learnings I took into the next failure, into the next failure, until it became a success. Now, the way you make sure that you make progress is to use the FOCUS acronym, F-O-C-U-S. Follow one course until success. If that means letting something else go for a while so that you can focus like a laser on something else, then that's what you do. That's what I had to do. Last year, when I was writing my first book, Clear the Path to Happiness, I decided to say no to everything else that came my way. I'll tell you what, when you focus like that, when you focus like a laser, very tempting things will come your way. (laughs) I don't know what it is, but as soon as you decide this is the only thing I'm going to focus on from this point on, I'm going to say no to everything else, then very tempting things come your way. So you have to learn to focus. This is what I did with my ebook. When I started my ebook, one of the first tempting things that came my way was to speak at a business conference overseas on a tropical island. (laughs) It sounded fantastic. I wanted to do it. But at the same time, I knew if I stopped this, it would be just another thing that I stopped and never finished. So the temptation came and I said no. But guess what? I finished my book. This is what you need to do. If you focus and follow that course until you're successful, you'll achieve things. You'll be a success. You'll have no choice because you'll be saying no to so many other things. Anyway, that's my reply, Jill. I hope that helps you and anyone else listening. Thank you for writing. This segment is called News and You. This is where I share a current piece of news and how it affects you and your personal growth. So today's news is John Gibson. He's a pastor 
a seminary professor, and he had an account on the Ashley Madison website. If you don't know what the Ashley Madison website is, it's where married people go to find partners outside of their marriage. Make any judgment you want about that site. (laughs) That's what it was. If you were in a relationship and you wanted to cheat or find someone else that wanted to cheat as well, you would go onto that site and supposedly they would partner you up with, uh, with those folks. So what happened to John? John was on that site. Now, if you don't know what happened with Ashley Madison recently, they were hacked. And guess what happened? When they were hacked, the hackers released all the usernames and information online, basically revealing everyone who was allegedly cheating on their partners. Anyway, John Gibson killed himself because he was ashamed. He was on the site. He was looking. Now, there's several painful angles here. One, he's a pastor, a person of authority who typically would be respected as a holy, honest man. Number two, he's married and has a family. That hurts. Number three, he committed suicide. That's another angle that we could talk about for a whole nother show. And number four, the family has to work through the pain of the affair and the suicide at the same time. I should say alleged affair because I didn't read anywhere where he actually had an affair. He was just on the site. So I don't know for sure. And number five, he chose to end his life rather than face his shame. Now let's talk about that. Let's talk about shame. Shame borders both the worst that can happen and the best that can happen. In fact, beyond shame is resolution. Here's what I mean. Shame is the bottom of the emotional barrel. Once you're at the bottom, there's nowhere left to go. So you can either admit to all your faults and start rebuilding your life or let the bottom fall out. Either way, there's resolution on the other side. But taking your own life shouldn't be a choice because once you've faced shame full on, you can start over. You may not have the same friends and you may lose people that you love, but at least you have a chance to prove something to yourself. You can prove to yourself that you're not the person you used to be and you're going to change who you are or maybe you don't have to change anything. Maybe you just feel shame for another reason, but you have a chance to start over, start fresh and taking your life doesn't give you that starting point again. Yeah, it's going to hurt. People are going to judge you. And that's what happens when you are ashamed about something. But if you decide to face shame full on, you can just take the brunt of what happens and start again. John Gibson's family said they would have forgiven him. Remember, they're really forgiving themselves to get over the shock or hurt from his behavior. But by forgiving themselves, they're also loving themselves enough to allow him back into their life. He felt shame for what he did, and he didn't want his family to find out, and if they did, he probably would have felt worse. But it sounded like his family was ready to help him and work through the tough times that he was going through as well. Like one of the things that happened was they found a letter that said he was depressed and he was going through a hard time and how sorry he was. Now, if that's true, 
and the family is ready to forgive, you know, it might have taken a while to rebuild everything, then he could have had a chance to rebuild his life, rebuild his family, but he just didn't want to face that shame. He didn't want to face the fire. I'm here to tell you, if you're willing to face the fire, you can start over again. It may hurt. It may feel awful, but that awful doesn't last long. You go through it and it's going to feel a lot better afterward. Even if you still feel bad afterward, if you're willing to go through the quote fire, then there's some sort of resolve on the other side because there's nowhere to go but up. I hope that makes sense. Sometimes we're so clouded by shame. We don't realize how amazing the people that we love can be towards us. They may not like our behavior and they may not want us in their lives right away, but they most likely don't want us dead. (laughs) Shame causes us to hide the truth from others so that we can avoid judgment. I mean, when we're judged, we feel unloved, unwanted, and unsafe. So we tend to keep the shame to ourselves. I once shared a shame that I have in my childhood with my girlfriend. And like I said, I've held on to this since I was a child. But I chose to tell her and I chose to be judged and just let the chips fall where they may. The reason I did this was for self-forgiveness. I didn't need her to forgive me. I needed to forgive myself so that I wouldn't hold on to any more pain. Admitting shame is an escape from pain and a path to self-forgiveness. And you got to know that when you admit shame, not everyone will be able to let it go easily. In fact, some people may not want you around anymore. So you can either stay in their lives and be dishonest, not in integrity, or you can leave their lives showing that you want to be honest from this point on. That doesn't mean you have to leave their lives, but if they don't want you in their life, then why would you stick around after that? But the point is, you can stay in someone's life, but be dishonest and feel shame, or you can talk about your shame and get it out in the open and just see what happens. Because once you release that shame, the pain can start to go away. The hurt, whatever else you're feeling, the embarrassment, anything can start to heal you. That is if you're ready to be healed. If you've done something that caused you to feel shame, but you tend to still do it today, then you're not ready to heal. You really have to reach a point where you know you're ready to heal from it. And that's when shame can be faced and confronted and addressed. It's really a matter of checking in with who you want to be. Hiding truths and holding on to pain isn't always the best course of action. Sometimes we do it to protect others like children, but many times We do it to protect ourselves. Face the shame and get it out of the way. Or keep it and go through life in pain. The choice is yours. This next segment is called What's on my mind right now? (laughs) If you've heard last week's segment, you probably remember me saying, I don't know if this is going to be a success or not. (laughs) So we'll just see how it goes. 
Uh, but I do have something that is on my mind right now. And that's how fast life disappears from us and how fast life goes. If, for example, you go to work every day, it's amazing where those last eight to 10 to 12 hours, whatever, just disappeared. Where did they go? And then you come home and you're like, wow, my whole day just disappeared. And now I got to take a shower or eat or do laundry or go to bed. Where's my life going? And, you know, I hear people talk about being grateful for every moment in your life because that moment won't exist again. And and suddenly you're doing the same thing the next day. You're going to work and you're coming home and you're eating and then you're doing laundry and then you're going to bed. You know, it's sort of unavoidable sometimes because we need money. We need to make our world go round with money. So we have to do what we have to do. But sometimes we tend to forget that there's other people in our lives because we're so consumed by what's going on in our life. Now, recently, if you followed me on Facebook, you probably saw me post something about my cat. This is what's on my mind right now. My cat, his name is Ming, and he's been with me probably almost 19 years now. I don't know the exact length of time, but he's an older guy. He's been with me for so long. This is the third relationship that I've been in where he's been a part of my life. We've traveled across the country several times and we've lived in different states all over the U.S. And he's just been my buddy. (laughs) But I just found out a few days ago that he has cancer and it's filled his abdomen area, his belly. I'm not sure what it's attached to, but he's been getting weaker and weaker and he's very thin. He doesn't appear to be in pain, but you know, I've been very sad because he's been in my life for 20 years. And now that he's leaving, he's not going to be in my life anymore. So that's what's on my mind right now. I don't know life without Ming. I don't know life without my cat. He's been such a good pet and a good friend. I think about how many times that I could have maybe treated him a little better. I mean, how many times did I come home and ignore him? And when he was crying for food, I'll say, I'll feed you later. I'm busy. You know, how many times did I do that? Not often, but, you know, I think about those times that I could have treated him better. Now I'm watching him closely. He's not in any pain. In fact, he still purrs when I pet him. But when it comes down to the final moments, I'll do what makes sure that he is not suffering. You know, all of this really brings to mind what I need to do for the people that are in my life and for other animals that may come into my life and who I need to be present for, no matter how bad my day was. Yes, I'm going to need some time to relax or rest or detoxify from a bad day, but the time we have is so precious. And the people and animals in your life might want some time with you before you or they have to go on. So I won't belabor this point or anything. I mean, we all know that we should take advantage of every moment and be grateful for every minute that we have with our loved ones. But sometimes we just need a reminder. Sometimes we've had a bad day and we don't think about it. So we come home and kind of treat people badly. Maybe we can take the time, 30 seconds, a minute, to say hello, to acknowledge, to be with 
our people friends and our animal friends and our lovers and our brothers and sisters and our moms and dads, whoever's in our life, just take a moment and acknowledge them. So that's what's on my mind right now. And before we end the show, I have an announcement about HBN. That's the Healing Broadcast Network. As you know, the Overwhelmed Brain is a proud member of the Healing Broadcast Network. So if you're a coach, counselor, or healer of any sort and want to grow your practice and expand your reach in the world, consider joining the Healing Broadcast Network at healingbroadcastnetwork.com. You'll not only have access to experts and resources that'll help you grow your business, but you'll be with people that will stop at nothing to help you succeed. Visit healingbroadcastnetwork.com. Thank you for listening to another episode of The Overwhelmed Brain. I thank everyone who has purchased a book or a worksheet, left a review, or used the Amazon link. I love giving you everything I know every week and want to be there for you whenever I can. So if you'd like to give back, there are two ways to support the show. Use the Amazon link or click on the Donate $5 button at theoverwhelmedbrain.com. You know, I used to listen to shows like this and never donate. (laughs) I'll admit it. In fact, I was so used to getting things for free that I thought, well, the show is going to be there whether I donate or not. So what's the difference? Well, that is until I heard something one day that changed my life, or at least my perception about what was going on in my life at the time. And I thought, wow, I just had an epiphany listening to a radio show. It was at that moment that I realized that what I was listening to was worth way more than what I was paying for. If you want to give back, you don't have to send 10 or or $100, just $5. Click on the Donate $5 button or use the Amazon button at theoverwhelmedbrain.com. I appreciate you and thank you so much for your support. You're part of the foundation of this show and I am grateful. You know, we talked about forgiveness and shame and all these things that don't feel very good. But once you forgive yourself, you really do open a path of healing. I remember for the longest time, I didn't forgive my stepfather. Now, I didn't even know I didn't forgive my stepfather because I didn't even know I had anything against him. (laughs) I was in my 30s. This is sometime in 2005, near the end of my first long-term relationship. After that relationship ended, I started getting depressed and well actually before that relationship ended but this depression got worse and worse and then I met who would be my future wife and she was this high energy happy person who met this low down depressed guy (laughs) so at the time she was realizing that she didn't want to be around someone who was depressed so one day she told me you know I don't know what's happening with you, but I'm going to leave. If you ever figure it out, give me a call. I realized that I was starting to lose her and something 
triggered inside of me. Something happened where, oh my god, I'm losing another relationship. But for some reason, it got connected to how I felt about my stepfather. I know it's strange, but you know, pain knows pain. And when that happened, my stepfather came to mind and I realized why I've been depressed and what's been going on in my life, why I've been not as happy as I could be and suddenly getting more and more depressed. It was because I had a hatred for my stepfather. And that came as a complete surprise to me because I really thought I loved him. I love my stepfather no matter how bad he's been to us because, you know, he's my stepfather, kind of my real father, but not really. But it turns out I really hated him. I didn't know this. I thought you were supposed to love people. I didn't know I had all this hatred inside. So once I realized that, I started crying hard. And I collapsed on my knees and my girlfriend was there and she was sitting down and I put my head down on her knees and I was like, I hate my stepfather so much. I was really venting a lot of years of anger and hatred. And, you know, I'm not supposed to hate people. I'm supposed to be above that. But I wasn't. I wasn't above that. I don't think you can be above emotions. Emotions just are. They're there. They're there for a reason. And they need to be expressed and resolved. And that's what I did that night. I resolved something. It wasn't everything, but I resolved something. The hatred came out and suddenly I was free, at least a little bit. Not free of the depression, but it was the first step towards freedom from depression. That hatred disappeared after I expressed it. And then I was able to love him from a whole new place. It didn't mean I wanted to be with him. It didn't mean I wanted to hang out with him and be buddies again. It just meant, hey, you know what? I love you. Stay over there. (laughs) And that was the healthiest decision I've ever made. And I kept him out of my life. And I've been a lot healthier since then. And of course, my depression ended in about six to eight months after that. Because I realized that the more I expressed what was really going on inside of me, the more it disappeared. You know what depression is, right? Depression is when you feel a bad emotion, something negative, and instead of honoring yourself and expressing it and saying, hey, you made me feel bad and this is why, you swallow it. And every time you swallow that bad emotion, it builds inside of you and makes you more and more numb. And pretty soon, when you're depressed, you don't feel much of anything. You don't feel any emotion. You don't feel happiness. You don't even care. You don't want to get that way. And if you already are that way, what are you holding on to? It's time to let that go. Is there shame? Is there embarrassment? Did you not get enough love? I mean, what's going on inside of you that maybe you can release today? I know, I make it sound so easy. Just release it. When you can... See where you fit in, your role in anything that goes on in your life, even when it's all about other people and what they did. What is your role? What are your emotions? How are you connected? How are you involved? And can you let those things go? I was involved with the downfall of my marriage in many ways. And when I finally admitted those ways and expressed them and 
and just allowed them to be what they were without blaming, I was able to heal. And that was my path to healing and forgiveness. So what is your path? What can you do if you have any anger or sadness or fear or anything that you're hanging on to? What is your role? What are your emotions? No matter what the other person did, what can you do to let those go now? What can you do to take responsibility for how you feel inside without blaming? The way I did it was write a letter and I rewrote it and then I rewrote it again. Writing works because it slows down your mental processes long enough so your brain doesn't fly by the emotions that are going on. So take that step into your power and be firm in your decisions and actions so that you can create the life you want. When you do this, you'll discover something about yourself that I already know to be true, that you are amazing. Amazing.